Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Ropp, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. This week, we're going to listen to an interview I had with John Munter. He is a Gnostic, as you will hear, with a strong Christian background. He's both a philosopher and he went to divinity school as a Presbyterian. And he is very attached to the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of the Gnostic scriptures. So you're going to hear John's method of interpreting the Gospel of Thomas today, which is a very popular Gnostic scripture. We begin the interview with some background on John, and then John tells us a story, a long story, about his relationship with a woman and then his continuing relationship with her after she passed away. We'll finish this episode next week. We're going about a half hour in on this, and then we'll complete it in next week's show. Good morning, John. Are you here? Hi, Sid. Oh, hey. All right. This is working. Well, okay. Let's go ahead and start uh, by talking about who you are and uh, what are your credentials and whatnot. I graduated from University of Minnesota Duluth in 1972 with a degree in philosophy, and I enjoyed philosophy because my professors didn't care what I thought just as long as I had good reasoning for it and could answer the objections to my position logically. Later on, I got a degree from the University of Dubuque Theological Seminary as a Master of Divinity degree as a Presbyterian. And uh, so people at various points in my life thought, thought I was fairly logical and fairly orthodox. I had a professor who had written a book on the Buddha and he had written a book on Edgar Casey as well. And so he was pretty unorthodox, and I was happy to support him in his work there as well. And his uh, name was Henry Drummond, who's published some remarkable books extolling the, the universal salvation, basically, oh, of, of creation. You yeah. talk about in your book, which right. would be fun to get into. But yeah, fr from childhood, actually, I did my eighth grade English paper on Zen Buddhism, for example. I had read Edgar Cayce and explored alternative religions and uh, had quite a journey. But I want to tell a story, I think, that has a lot of bearing on our discussions there, which is a bit long, but uh, it's, uh, it's an important story. I was demonstrating against the war in, in 1970. And one of my friends there was a woman who was pretty unhappy. She was an art student and angry and she went off to become a hippie in the British Columbia and found Jesus and had a baby and all this. And so when she came back to Duluth, we uh, struck up a friendship. She was just uh, radiant with light. And she and I uh, hung out for about a year or so. And then 
she kind of dumped me. And I, at that point, I thought, well, I'm not going to ever look her up. She can find me if she wants to. And, mm-hmm. and so I went off to Boston, developed my own friendship and community there. So walking through on Harvard Avenue one day, I heard this voice behind me calling John. And it was my friend. Uh, she had changed her name to No Guns. So <laughs> when people had to say your name, it, they would say, have to say No Guns. <laughs> yeah, how funny. She, she was, spent seven years with the Rainbow Gathering and doing service work and that type of thing. So, And at that time, our relationship still didn't work out. You know, She went off on her own, and I continued and went back to Duluth eventually and went to seminary. And so I was going through the Dubuque Public Library one time. And I saw this newspaper, the Divine Register, and I looked at it. And there was my friend, <laughs> No Guns, uh, had run, been run over by a truck in the, in the gathering in Texas. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I sent her some money, and she flew back to California and was healed. And, and then I, I did meet her about three years later when she came up to a rainbow gathering in northern Minnesota. But at that time, we were both mature people, and we both knew we were going different ways. And so nothing worked out in terms of a relationship at that point. And we, we, were, we were both happy with our own lives. So I went off and got married and had four kids. And then at a certain point in the 2000s with email coming in, I thought to myself, well, I wonder whatever happened to my friends. <laughs> I did an email search through the, the Rainbow Gathering people and they connected me to her. And we had this just ecstatic email relationship for several years, number of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just on the same page, really, with everything. And I was living a very busy life, working long hours with my farm and alpacas and my kids and my wife and all this. And I didn't dream very very much, so I had very little sleep. But she passed away uh, about the age of, in the early 60s, um, from Mm -hmm. cancer. But about a year before she died, uh, I had this, uh, I call it out of dream body experience and it involved just all of a sudden i saw her coming towards me in in this dream and it was shocking to me to see her and mm-hmm. it was so shocking that i just totally uh glommed onto her image you know not to miss anything mm-hmm. uh, so intensely that i lost consciousness in my dream totally <laughs> lost consciousness of where i was lost consciousness of her and anything and I found myself as a dewdrop of consciousness, just pure consciousness. That was it. Mm-hmm. And no past, no present, no future, no thought, no nothing. And then all of a sudden I found I was conscious of this whirling vortice in me that was whirling and was going down to somewhere. I didn't know where. And then I felt her embrace me. Hmm. And uh, it was just ecstatic. I found myself kind of in a in the house of souls for example of where a really multicolored experience of two souls resonating together uh, mm-hmm. just very ecstatically and more ecstatic than anything else i'd experienced in sex or anything else it was just an amazing experience hmm. of that and hmm. and then we started going down in vibration and you kind of have heard of the tunnel of light and people going up the tunnel of light and all this. Mm-hmm. Well, we were coming down the tunnel of light. And the first stop was, I think, a higher astral plane where everything, people think of that as heaven, you know, where maybe mm-hmm. you have these astral perfect dream bodies and that type of thing. And but I, I didn't have much memory of that at all. 
we passed through that. And then we came down and we resonated to our lives on earth. And we saw them from an ecstatic viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So and was it was, what you were getting a glimpse of your entire life or one? Well, how did, what, how of, did you of feel? Our, our life experiences together. And, and I'm mm -hmm. not sure how much that entailed, but Mm -hmm. um, but it was more ecstatic than what we normally think of as going about our daily routine life. You know, it doesn't yeah. often seem ecstatic, but that was from that viewpoint. And then all of a sudden we popped out back into our dream bodies. And I found myself with her sleeping on my right arm like that. And yeah. I looked at her and I, <laughs> I said to her, where did you go? Uh -huh. Because I was, I was so disappointed that I'd lost her soul, basically. Yeah. Did and, you get a reply? And that was it. No, she was just asleep and uh, unconscious. And, and that was the end of my dream then. Okay. Uh, so that, that was just an extraordinary experience. And it, to me, it uh, also corresponds to, and this happened basically when I was studying the Gospel of Thomas and coming to Revelations there. It reminded me of Simon Magus and his idea that the earth plane gets is like a tree. It all, get, all gets burned up except for the fruit of the tree gets stored up in the house of souls. Mm -hmm. And so I linked up that soul experience with Simon Magus's idea of that fruit up in the house of souls. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of informs me too on of the Gospel of Thomas and my experience of that. So is the Gospel of Thomas the, the main Gnostic gospel that you study? Yes. I consider myself really the first master, modern master of the Gospel of Thomas because... <laughs> if you do I, say so yourself. <laughs> I know. Uh, it, it, I started studying in 2008, and after studying Judaism, I was really imbued with the Jubilee, the 50-year Jubilee and uh, the Jewish scripture. Um, mm -hmm. And I came to understand that there are a number of conversations going throughout the Gospel of Thomas uh, and there's four different protocols that you can understand to interpret your saying. So if you're uncertain about what a saying means, you can consult these different protocols to see how it corresponds to your understanding. One of them is the context convention. Every saying in the Gospel of Thomas is explained by the following saying. And Scholars generally see this as groupings of sayings here and there, but it's really literally true of every single saying, except for the last one. Gospel of Thomas 1.14 is an addition on to the 113 other sayings by a Coptic translator who came up, found one, and just tacked it on the end. It doesn't, it doesn't correspond to the, the scheme of Thomas and Many other scientists, uh, social scientists, also agree that it doesn't really fit as well for various reasons. Well, that's but interesting. An another um, protocol you can use is uh, numbers. Many of the numbering in Gospel of Thomas uh, have significance. Like, for example, Gospel of Thomas 6 uh, refers to what you do during this, you know, the six days of the work week. Yeah. Number 7 refers to the Sabbath, what you do on the Sabbath and how you digest uh, the Sabbath humanly. Do you have a copy in front of you? Can you ta uh, give us an example of what you're talking about? Like with uh, six and yeah. seven, I, I'm interested in those verses very much. Yeah, and I also kind of wanted to talk about one through five as well. because. Well, okay, just let's go ahead and look at the beginning here of the gospel according to Thomas. 
yeah. as you see it. The Gospel of Thomas was composed, in my view, about Common Era 90, uh-huh. uh, composed after Matthew, Mark, and Luke as kind of a response to them. But before the Gospel of John, Gospel of John really trashes Thomas, as uh, if you're familiar with that. So that's my view. It was published in between there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't think it was actually published by a certain disciple named Thomas, but it was mm-hmm. in the name of Thomas or mm-hmm. his, his tradition. Pseudo epigraphy, is that what they call it? Yeah. yeah. And in fact, it's, everything is kind of symbolic in the Gospel of Thomas as well. If so you, you think that there was a disciple named Thomas that actually wrote this oh, in the first place? Judas Thomas was probably the primary disciple of Jesus, along with Mary Magdalene. But you see this, probably the oldest uh, gospel material is included in the, in the Dialogue of the Savior, which is a compilation of about four or five little mini sermons that were cobbled together by an editor about AD 100 or something. And Judas happens to be one of the three disciples in this dialogue of the savior and he's the receiver of the vision in the middle of this text where jesus puts his hand on judas thomas and he sees this vision of the son of man coming down as a ray of light so it makes distinction between jesus the guy and this this light coming down the son of man and the son of man actually in the Samaritan viewpoint was Seth, who they think they were descended from. And Seth, in some traditions, was kind of a semi-divinized person. If you look at Eunosis the Blessed, this early text from, I think, about the second century BC, for example, it kind of divinizes Seth along with others. So this is a cipher for the higher self coming down on light, becoming a son of Adam. And you see this actually in in Gospel of Thomas 106, for example, where, uh, let me flip to that here. It's, it's an important um, reference. 106 says, Jesus says, when you make the two one, you will become the sons of Adam, plural. And when you say mountain move away, it will move away. So this refers to, you know, becoming a Seth in, a Seth. And it means really you're outside of time and space. You see Mountains rise and fall from outside the time stream is what it really mm-hmm. means. Okay, so going back, that's why Judas Thomas was probably one of the, the probably the top disciple there. And um, why? So, because he knew this? Yeah, he had some special insight, and, <laughs> private and, communication. Yeah. Now, the Gospel of Thomas begins with the, the insipid, which is uh, these are the secret sayings which the living Jesus spoke and which Didis, Didymus Judas Thomas wrote down. And so Didymus means Thomas, just like Thomas means Thomas. They both mean the twin. Mm-hmm. So twin, Judas, twin. And so you can see possibly the person who wrote the Gospel of Thomas considered himself the twin of Judas Thomas or the twin of Judas's higher self or something of that sort anyway. So it's, tr- it's just trying to indicate that there's something going on there. Let me ask you, let me pause a yeah, sec. In, sure. You know, you've read my simple explanation of the Gnostic gospel. It, it, could the twin aspect be ourself and our ego? Are, are we twins within ourselves? Or do you think our right. twin is our self here on earth and then our corresponding twin up in the aeonic sphere? 
The Gospel of Thomas six times refers to make the two one. So very key saying. And so that relates to the Didymus, Judas, Thomas thing. So it refers to uh, harmonizing your lower self with your higher self. Okay. So it's probably, it's causing what I would say to put yourself on the throne and make your ego subservient to your higher self. Yeah. Or harmonize them. Okay. The the Gospel of Thomas is very non-dual, like you hold too. I think there's a kind of a modified non-dualism where we recognize evil and this type of stuff in the world. And yet overall it, it becomes one, which we can go into later. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So, and then everything leads from one to the next. For example, the incipit leads into the first saying, whoever finds the interpretation of these sayings will not taste the bitterness of death. Well, that's a shocking thing. What are you talking about? How could that possibly be true that your wisdom can lead you to be immortal? And then you, you flip into number two and it says, let him who seeks in my work with the gospel of Thomas, I'm using the Greek version whenever I can find it. Uh, because there's a limited number of the Greek sayings, but I think they're closer in reality to the original than the Coptic translation sometimes is. So this number two is an example using the Greek part of it. Jesus says, let him who seeks continue seeking till he finds. When he finds, he will wonder, and when he wonders, he will reign, and when he reigns, he will rule over the all. Well, this is another totally shocking statement. He will rule over the all. This talks about our own divinity, that we will rule as a Mm -hmm. divine being. And that is also really totally crazy. Like, what are you talking about? So this is about the higher self, right? And so Mm -hmm. you flip into number three, and it talks about the kingdom in the sky, the birds of the sky will precede you. And the key saying in this one is, rather, the kingdom is inside you, and it's outside of you. So here we see the non-dual presentation of the Gospel of Thomas again. So it's within and it's both within and without. Okay, but I still don't get it. Like, you know, what are you, what are you talking about here? And so you go to number four and you say, Jesus says, the man olden days will not hesitate to ask a small child, seven days old, about the place of life, and he will live. For many who are first will become last, the last will become first, and they will become one. So the non-dual thing here at the end, they will become one. And so the old man olden days would not hesitate to ask a small child, seven days old, so about the place of life. Where's the place of life of a small child? It's the mother's breast, right? Mm-hmm. So since we're talking metaphorically, we're not talking about a specific little baby child. We're talking about Sophia, the mother. And of course, Sophia, the Holy Spirit, infused the Old Testament, you know, was the companion of God in the beginning and was really God's first thought and all this. And so from this Jewish perspective, this is what the Holy Spirit is. It's female. And so being at the breast of the Holy Spirit is the idea. Mm-hmm. Is, and then to be more specific about that, what do you actually mean by being at the breast of the Holy Spirit? And so number five comes along with uh, Jesus says, come to know that which is in front of you and that which is hidden from you will become manifest to you. For there is nothing hidden which will not become manifest. So come to know Gnosis, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's not just mental knowing in your head. If you know as God knows, you're knowing with divine love. So that which is in front of you. So if you look at anything that is in front of you with divine love, that is being at the breast of the Holy Spirit. 
and that which is hidden from you will become manifest to you. You will tease it out, you know, as you nurse in the breast of the Holy Spirit, just as a baby teases out the milk from the breast. For there's mm-hmm. nothing hidden which does not become manifest. And so that's what number four means. This Holy Spirit thing is kind of comes up from number three, number four, number five. Then number six is, well, okay, how do you live then? How do you live the six days of the work week? And do you want us to fast? How should we pray? Should we give alms? What diet shall we observe? And Jesus says, just don't be hypocritical. He says, don't tell lies. Do not do what you hate. In other words, do what you love. Mm -hmm. So do what your revelation is. Divine love in number five, do that what you receive from your divine revelation. For all things are plain in the sight of heaven, for nothing, and this is repeated again from number five, for nothing hidden will not become manifest, nothing covered will remain without being uncovered. So this purposely links number five and number six together. And then you have, yeah, well, what about our received tradition, huh? Number seven, Mm -hmm. the seventh day, we sit down and we read scripture, the received tradition that we have. And Jesus says, blessed is the lion which becomes man when consumed by man, and cursed is the man whom the lion consumes, and the lion becomes man. So the lion is this ancient image of the demiurge. I think Plato began the demiurge idea, which was a not negative connotation in the beginning. And also later, Gnostic scripture talks about being a lion, a demiurge, and so and. Then you have the Lion of Judah, who is thought of as Jesus, and you have Judah is thought of as a lion image. And so it all works together to say, basically, blessed is the lion which becomes a man when consumed by a man. So digest your spiritual tradition humanly. Cursed is the man whom the lion consumes, the lion becomes a man. So you're just cursed if you just take everything in a very fundamentalist direction and you just go nuts over your received tradition. Mm-hmm. and become inhabited by the spirit is foreign to you hmm. and then okay. so what is so so then what do you do right so number eight is this parable of the fish so you catch this big fish which is really the higher self of everybody and you throw away all the little fish you throw all the throw away all the little rules and regulations that your received tradition had that you're trying to do to become holy and you just you know accept the importance of the big fish, your higher self, and you throw the rest back into the sea. And why is that? Well, you think, aren't little fish great? I mean, all these rules and regulations help us and they, they're there to guide us in the way of life. And what's wrong with have, you know keeping all these little fishes anyway? And number nine is, is the parable of the sower. The sower went out and took a handful of seeds and scattered them. Some fell on the road. The birds came and gathered them up. Others fell on the rock. And others fell on thorns, and they choked them. And others fell on the good soil, and it produced good fruit. It bore 60 per measure and 120 per measure. So there's overwhelming benefit to going with the higher self. Mm-hmm. That's the point of it. And then, yeah, well, what are you actually talking about here? So number 10 says, Jesus says, I have cast fire upon the world, and see, I am guarding it until it blazes. So that's some scholars say, oh, that's fire, fires of hell, <laughs> hell and damnation. Yeah. No, it's the Holy Spirit, for God's yeah. sake, you know? And um, so, and the Holy Spirit was basically what he was doing. And the fire is an ancient uh, image of Heraclitus used fire as his primary idea of the divine. 
And so it's an ancient Greek tradition that Jesus received as I'm sure he was in Egypt. Well, what is fire, right? And then you come to the stunning uh, number 11. Jesus says, this heaven will pass away and the one above it will pass away. The dead are not alive and the living will not die. The days when you were, when you consumed what is dead, you made it alive. When you dwell to come in the light, what will you do on the day that when you were one, you became two. When you become two, what will you do? So this, the, the first heaven is the earth we're in, this heaven here. And the one above it is like the astral plane, the, the plane mm-hmm. of human thought. But it, then it expresses the freedom of the light. The dead are not alive. The living will not die. Days when you consumed what is dead, you made it alive. When you come to dwell in the light, what will you do? That's the question. It's your freedom to do what you will do. On the day when you were one, you became two. There's making the two one again. But when you become two, what will you do? So it ends with a question as if it's giving us the freedom when we attain the light. And then number, and this refers to the disciples who get it, number 11, minus Judas, right? The In the Roman thought form or something. But number 12 kind of refers to the 12 disciples. We know that you will depart from us. Who is to be our leader? Jesus said to them. Wherever you are, you are to go to James the righteous, for whose sake heaven and earth came into being. So James is uplifted here as the the top guy. He was interesting because he was considered really the people's high priest. He was descended from a famous holy man named Honi the Circle Drawer, who was martyred actually as a holy man. And he was first cousin to John the Baptist. So they were kind of in the holiness business, you know, the whole family there. And so for whose sake heaven and earth came into being. So he was thought of both as a, as a really spiritual person. His knees were so thick from kneeling in the temple in intercessory prayer that they were said to have uh, been as thick as camel's hooves. <laughs> <laughs> and so and little children would come up to him and try to touch the hem of his garment and stuff. So he was thought of as a very holy person, but he was also thought of as being a powerful political figure as well. And that's one reason he was martyred in about 62 Common Era is that he was a threat to the ruling elite there. They were worried he would be the pastor of the revolution. Basically. Well, and by the way, it's such as yeah. it always is, is it not that, that the government is really antithetical to religious people? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so then, you know, the question comes up naturally, and all these things are followed by kind of an inherent question like, well, okay, so we have to be that holy. We have to do all this stuff. And number 13, Jesus says, look, relax. And you don't have to be a righteous angel. You don't have to be a wise philosopher. Thomas really gets it. He says, the master of my mouth is holy and capable of saying whom you are like. So Jesus said, I am not your master because you have drunk. You have become intoxicated from the bubbling spring, which I have measured out. So this bubbling spring, the Holy Spirit, the ecstasy of the other, Mm -hmm. So this is the idea. And so Jesus once again goes, and in this one, he says, withdrew and told him three things that, you know, Thomas said, if I tell you one of these things, you will pick up stones and throw them at me to his other disciple friends. So they're they're heretical things, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a perfect example of a conversation that's happening in the Gospel of Thomas that no one knows about, actually. And I stumbled upon it by accident as the first thing. There are 15 conversations in the Gospel of Thomas separated by 49 sayings, and they have a coherent thread to them. So saying, for example, and this 
it comes from the Jubilee. The 49 comes from the Jubilee idea, the end of a cycle. Mm-hmm. And at 50, you're bringing a whole new cycle and all this. So that's the conceit there. And so say, for example, saying one, saying 50, and saying 99, all talk about the father, for example. That's the theme. And number mm-hmm. saying number two, number 51, and 100, their theme is the son or the higher self, basically. And number three, the theme is the Holy Spirit, the kingdom inside you and outside of you. And number 52, it talks about the prophets inspired by the Holy Spirit. And number 101, it talks about my true mother gave me life, which is Sophia, basically. So that's all about the Holy Spirit. So then when we come to 13, we see this conversation continuing also in saying 62, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So don't tell the fundamentalists what I'm telling you, okay? So you're saying there's three sets of 50 and they parallel each other. Do they, right? Is that what you're saying? There are uh, are three sets of 49 and they, they parallel each other so that the first verse of the first set is the same topic as the first verse of the second set and the third set? Well, they're discrete conversations like 1362 and 111 are a discrete conversation. And also 1463, 112, 1564, and 113 are discrete conversations. And that's why the Gospel of Thomas ends with 113, is because it ends with that. But to give you an example, 13 has these three hidden things in there that nobody knows about. Like, what the heck are they, right? So in 62, you have the same secret thing. Don't let the fundamentalists know what your right hand is doing. So this also continues the secret stuff. But in 111, you find the three secrets. There are three different sentences talking about revelations from the Father, uh, revelations from the Holy, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and uh, the presence of the, the higher self. And that's what it's referring to in number 13, as you read it in number 111. So that's how cool these conversations are. Hmm. And then, you know, I just might add that uh, number 14 is kind of radical. And it, but it goes on with the non-dual thing, okay? The non-dual thread. If you fast, you will give rise to sin for yourself. If you pray, you will be condemned. If you give alms, you will do harm to your spirits. If you go into any land, walk about in the districts. If they receive you, eat what they will set before you and heal the sick among them. For what goes into your mouth will not defile you. That which issues from your mouth, it is that which will defile you. So this radical saying, it doesn't tell you how to heal anybody. It just says, eat what they have. So Jewish law prescribed you should only be eating with other Jews because you want to eat only what's kosher, right? So this is a radical break from tradition to go eat whatever they give you and just accept them. And that itself will be part of the healing process among them. So, Oh, yeah. And so Jesus is talking about technique in 13 and 14, basically. You know, it's not a matter of technique. It's a matter about the ecstasy and the Holy Spirit that you have with another person, basically. Yes, such as you had in your out-of-dream body experience. (laughs) This has been part one of my interview with John Munter, and we'll pick it up next week. Until then, God bless us all, and onward and upward.